Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. Good morning. Good Friday. And welcome to Count It right here on Points Bet USA. I'm your host, Kazim Famiwide. Thank you so much for joining me today on this beautiful Friday morning in New York City. Today, joining me is NBA lead writer for NBC Sports, my man, Kurt Heelan. You can follow him at Basketball Talk on Twitter, one of my favorite follows on social media, who will be talking to me about everything about the NBA playoffs, including the firing of Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer. But before we get into any of that, let's talk about last night's NBA action. The lone game on the docket is probably the most intriguing game in the playoff series. The Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors prevailed 127-100 in a game. That probably wasn't even as close as the final score anticipated. Klay Thompson dropped 30 points, eight three-pointers. Great shooting night for them. When it comes to a series with with two teams that have this many championship players with that sort of pedigree, it's going to be all about adjustments. And that's exactly what the Golden State Warriors did. Now, if you remember in the end of of the first game of the second half, the Golden State Warriors went on a 14-0 run that just had so much momentum that if it wasn't for a Jordan Poole misfire, we might be talking about a 2-0 Golden State Warriors lead. That wasn't the case, however. Uh, Steph Curry, who went off in Game 7 and had a great game in Game 1, was much more of a facilitator in this game. 20 points, 12 assists, 4 rebounds. Obviously, Darvin Ham and the Los Angeles Lakers said we are not going to let Steph Curry beat us. And what Curry did was get the entire team involved, and that's exactly how he pulled it off. Stephen Curry, I mean, Klay Thompson drops 30 points, eight uh, three-pointers knocked down. Draymond Green with a typical Draymond Green game, 11 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists, and phenomenal defense on Anthony Davis after he had an incredible game in game one. They sort of shifted around the starting lineups a little bit. Kevon Looney, who was dealing with some, uh, I guess, some sickness. They said, I don't know if they ever said exactly what was wrong with him, but they said he was a little bit ill, had the flu or some sort of illness or whatever. Jermichael Green slides into the starting rotation, and what does he do? Drop 15 points, two assists, and one rebound. Great game for him. You know, Steve Kerr is usually liable to kind of roll what's working. So even though Kevon Looney has been an absolute rebounding beast and been killing those rebound props, we've been cashing in on those, um, you can expect Michael Green to continue to stay in that lineup. Kevin Lo- Kevon Looney did play well, though. Eight rebounds, six points. Andrew Wiggins, 11 points, four assists, and four Rebounds. Moses Moody dropped 10 points off the bench, and Dante DiVincenzo tipped, chipped in with 8 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. The Los Angeles Lakers, though, in the first half, it looked like it was going to be a little closer than anticipated, right? Up until that second quarter where they just, the, the Warriors just blew up for 40 points, uh, 41 points to be exact. LeBron James looked like he was having a LeBron James game. I said this uh, a couple of days ago on social media. It was incredible that the Los Angeles Lakers were up one game. And outside of that 2020 game that LeBron James had against the Memphis Grizzlies, you could argue that he hasn't really had a statement LeBron James type of game uh, quite yet. And in the first half of yesterday's game, I thought we were getting there. He had 22 points in the first quarter. I mean, in the first half, was absolutely dominant, didn't play at all 
in the fourth quarter and ended the game with only 23 points. Anthony Davis, like I've mentioned with Draymond Green, a lackluster game after being the star of game one with that 30 and 20 effort. He followed it up with 11 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. Roy Hachimura, great game out of him, shot the ball incredibly well, 21 points for him. Uh, he shot 8 for 14 from, from the field, 4 for 6 from deep. He looked like he couldn't miss. He was one of the lone bright spots for the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, D'Angelo Russell, 10 points, 8 assists. And, uh, yeah, it, it looks like th- this doesn't shock me. doesn't shock me that the Golden State Warriors could come back and beat this team by almost 30 points because if you listen to LeBron James in between, you know, press conferences and the in-quarter interviews that they usually do, LeBron said you cannot – sleep for a second because this team in the blink of an eye could just hit you like an avalanche. And that's exactly what happened in the second quarter and the third quarter. Those Clay Thompson threes, the Golden State Warriors hit to the tune of 21 for 42 from downtown. 50% shooting from deep, especially for the Golden State Warriors. I said this the other day. I said it against the, uh, the Celtics who had it going from deep last game out. The Golden State Warriors had it going from deep today. And in today's NBA, if you're hitting 23-pointers and shooting at 40 or 50% from deep, you are really, really hard to beat. As far as the other statistics are concerned, the Warriors just completely dominated the Los Angeles Lakers. On the boards, they beat them 55-40. to Uh, They got to the free throw line just as often. However, uh, as far as steals, blocks, turnovers, points in the paint – Pretty much even, but the battle of the boards is really the battle of extra opportunities and extra chances to put points on the board. So when you see a lot of these stats and a lot of them are even, and then you see rebounds sort of stand out, and even if you watch the game, just seeing how much an offensive rebound could definitely deflate another team, they out-offensive rebounded them 13-9, to and the defensive rebounds stopped those runs from the Los Angeles Lakers from ever coming back. Getting one possession in and then just being done with it can really deflate a team's morale, especially on the road, and that is exactly what the Golden State Warriors did. The teams are now tied 1-1 as they head into the Crypto.com Arena Saturday night uh, to see where this goes. Um, And the good thing about these series, if you're a Lakers fan, you could open your ears, and I know you're probably not watching a whole lot of sports talk TV, it's the playoffs, right? Points don't carry over. You can lose by 20. You can win by 20. It really does not matter. It's all about getting ready for that next game. So uh, given how the Lakers played as well as they played last time out against Memphis in the home court advantage, I feel like they will be up to the task this next game. And, uh, and on the flip side, the big story about the Golden State Warriors all year is their inability to win on the road. So to even though they won by 20 and tied up this series, this series could still swing either way because the, the the theme of both of these teams, even though home credit advantage, despite what you may believe, uh, may not be as much of an advantage as people make it out to be. With these teams, however, outside of a virtuoso performance from, Gold, from Stephen Curry that happened game seven against the Sacramento Kings, the Warriors have not been good on the road. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond as this series shifts back up, well, down south to Southern California to Los Angeles. And 
you know, uh, we're going to talk more in depth about this uh, next topic with our guest, Kurt Heelan, uh, NBA Sports lead NBA writer. But uh, the Milwaukee Bucks let go of championship-winning head coach Mike Budenholzer after a disappointing finish in the Eastern Conference first round. They were the number one seed in the uh, NBA, not just the Eastern Conference, the National Basketball Association. Mike Budenholzer, just in 2021, not only led Giannis Antetokounmpo to his best season winning MVPs, they also led that team to an NBA championship in 2021. And it couldn't have come at a more disturbing time, I'd say. Uh, You know, it kind of shows you just how cold-blooded this industry truly is. Yes, the Golden, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, had somewhat of a disappointment. Granted, they, they lost in the first round, even though they had a great regular season, even though Giannis Antetokounmpo played only 13 minutes in the first four games of that series. And, um, yeah, a guy that good, you're not really winning if, uh, if he's not playing. And Jimmy Butler obviously did – what Jimmy Butler does in the playoffs now and absolutely turned into a virtuoso and ended up sending Mike Budenholzer home. And I'd like to say I'm shocked. I'd like to say this is something I didn't see coming. But when it comes to the NBA, the most insecure job probably in the entire league is head coach. When things aren't going well, hell, when things are going well and you don't meet expectations – the heads that roll are usually never the players unless it's something they could trade for. And it's usually never the owners because they own the thing. So when it's time to chop off heads and do the assessment of what the NBA season was for you guys, usually the head coach is the first to go. And this isn't the first time Mike Budenholzer's name came up in, in potentially replacing uh, you know, his, his job as Milwaukee Bucks head coach. It comes out of a weird time, though. Because like I, I had Howard Beck on the show just a few days ago, and he talked to me about uh, you know the Milwaukee Bucks and, and and Petros, Mark Petros selling his portion of the team. So there's new ownership coming in to Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo, two years away from being a free agent, he has the opportunity to to sign an extension this offseason as well. That has lots of questions. The Milwaukee Bucks have a lot of expensive players that they may need to sign. Chris Middleton. His injury history, is that a person you want to continue to invest in? What are you going to do with Drew Holiday? What are you going to do with Brooke Lopez? There's a lot of questions surrounding the Milwaukee Bucks franchise. And now with the release and firing of Mike Budenholzer, who's to say how different this team looks a a year from now? Hell, maybe even sooner. You know, um, there's a new CBA that was agreed upon, and the times of seeing – More than two star players signing for a bunch of money is slowly coming to an end. They're really trying to spread the pot out. So in one way, shape, or another, the Milwaukee Bucks are going to look decidedly different next season. The real question is, how different are they going to look a season from that? How different are they going to look if they take assessment this summer and realize they're no more closer to a championship than they were this past season, with or without Giannis. Does Giannis think about walking? Do they put him on the trading block to try and get as many pieces as possible? Does the new CBA make franchises 
reassess when they have to deal these star players knowing they won't have the ability to re-sign as many players as they would like. I don't want to start worrying any Milwaukee Bucks fans right now. But after this postseason and after the ownership changing in Milwaukee, and I don't know about you guys, but Milwaukee isn't necessarily a free agent destination against unless you got a quarterback <laughs> that wears number 12. And last I looked, he went to New York. <laughs> so it's going to be hard to retool that team around Giannis given the fact that they're in Milwaukee, given the fact that they're going to have a new head coach, given the fact that they're going to have new ownership, and given the fact that the free agent market isn't necessarily as spicy as it is in years past. I don't know, man. This seems like the first of many, many dominoes that is about to fall for the Milwaukee Bucks as the rest of the Eastern Conference continues to rise. Guys, don't go anywhere. NBC Sports NBA lead writer Kurt Heelan will be joining me on Counter to talk all about Mike Budenholzer's firing, the rest of the NBA playoffs, and so much more. Don't go anywhere. More Counter is coming up right after this. Welcome back to Counter right here on Points Bet USA. And joining me live from Long Beach, California, NBC Sports lead NBA writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Basketball Talk. Kurt Heelan is joining me on Counted today. What's going on, Kurt? Uh, good morning, man. It's good to it's good to be on. It's good, it's good to talk some hoop. Yeah, man. It ain't no better time than right now to be talking some hoops. Obviously, the conference semifinals has so many incredible storylines that I can't yeah. wait to talk to you about. But a team not even playing anymore happened to steal all the headlines yesterday <laughs> when the Milwaukee Bucks fired Mike Budenholzer only two years after winning NBA, winning an NBA championship with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Obviously, uh, a, an unfortunate end to a season, not just personally, but professionally. Talk to me about how the Milwaukee Bucks sort of came to this decision that a lot of people probably saw as a little shocking. Yeah, it's kind of wild. We always talk about the insecurity of coaches in like every profession, right? Like every every professional sport. But think about it. Budenholzer won the title in 2021. Out. Frank Vogel won it in 2020. Out. Nick Nurse won it in 2019. Out. Like there is no job security in the NBA, even if you win a championship. In this case, uh, if you remember, like when they won the title, there was plenty of reporting, and I'd heard it too, that like if Budenholzer doesn't make the finals or win it this year, he's out. I, we don't think he can take that last step with this team. Then they won the title. But the first round exit this year where Giannis Antetokounmpo himself comes into the locker room afterward, I, I mean, I'm sorry, into the media room, into the you know press conference and says, we didn't make enough adjustments. We, we didn't do enough to stop Jimmy Butler. He threw it on Budenholzer. You knew then that like, Front office was ready to move on. Remember, there's been ownership tweaks and changes there. And it just felt like, all right, they're at the time that they were going to move on. And they kind of took their time about it a little bit. But I think I think ultimately that's what it came to. They feel like he's not getting this. They should be a contender. They should not, not only not be out in the first round. They should have more than one ring. And it was just time to get somebody in who can take them that last mile. You know, Kurt, it's it's a really interesting conversation to have because a lot of people could argue that around the time that a lot of people thought Mike Budenholzer was going to be ousted kind of coincided with the rise of Giannis, not just becoming an all-star yeah. player, but an MVP. So that being said, you're talking about Giannis coming out and pretty much saying 
They did not make enough adjustments to stop Jimmy Butler against the Miami Heat. How much does Giannis's future sort of factor in to what happens with the rest of this franchise? You mentioned they have new ownership. Oh. Now there's going to be a new coaching search. Does this sort of alter Giannis's sort of loyalty to Milwaukee if they if they don't get this right? He's been really like the most honest superstar, hasn't he? Saying, "I'm look, I want to be here. I would like to be here my whole career." as long as we're competing, as long as we're winning. Like, he's been more honest than most that he'd jump if, you know, he doesn't want to, his family likes it there, but, look, if they're not competing, he'll consider it. So, yeah, absolutely. Look, it, the big test, and I think what you're going to see is, I think it's September 1st. It, it's this fall. He becomes extension eligible. He's got two years left on his deal. They could extend him two more. I don't think he's going to take it. I think what's going to happen is they're going to offer it because you have to. You have to show him how much you want him. He's going to say, you know what, let's wait a year and let's see how this plays out. I think because it's not just the questions there are not just the coach and who's next. And remember, by the way, he was a big Darvin Ham fan, not getting Darvin Ham right now. <laughs> he, he, he's got his gig. But Brooke Lopez is a free agent and going to get very expensive. Drew Holiday can be extended this fall. Chris Middleton can opt out and be a free agent this summer. They, The core of their team is getting older and way more expensive, and they've got some really hard decisions to make about how they keep this team a contender long term. You said being a contender, and obviously I don't believe they're a contender with, at all without Giannis. And most people can yeah. argue that if Giannis doesn't get hurt that first game, who knows where this series goes and who knows if Mike Budenholzer still has a job. But you mentioned Giannis's contract situation coming up in September, making him extension eligible. If he doesn't sign this extension, how do you see Giannis's potential pending free agency sort of shake up not just the Eastern Conference landscape, but every other team in the NBA that has an opportunity to swing for defenses at a star like him? Yeah. Well, we've seen this before with Giannis, with other guys, right, where when they become available, suddenly everybody has cap space, right? Like somebody, <laughs> or, or they have, or in this case, it's not so much cap space because I think what you'd end up with is teams making sure from the, the Knicks, the Heat, on down the line, what trade assets do we have that we can, hey, we're not really going to throw Tyler Hero in a lot. Yeah, we'll throw Tyler Hero in a trade. We'll throw pretty much everybody but Jimmy and Bam in a trade, I would think, and maybe even Bam. Like they would these teams would fall over themselves to make that trade. So I think what you'll get is the, I think, I don't think the heat, look, I don't know if you phrase it. I don't think the bucks look like they'll trade him. Look, if he doesn't sign, they're not going to trade him, but if it goes to, if it gets to next summer and he doesn't sign an extension and he's talking about going into free agency, then they have to make that uh, a hard decision that others have had to make, which is, do we let him go to free agency or do we, have to trade him to get something back. And I think that's, I mean, that's a year away, but if you're a, if you're a GM, you're planning for it. Like you've got to have, you've got to have this in your back pocket because MVPs in their prime do not become available. Really facts, facts. I mean, he, he <laughs> finished top three in MVP voting this year. He's obviously doesn't seem like he's going anywhere physically as a basketball player, but obviously the Milwaukee Bucks are going to do everything they can to hold on to their generational talent. Um, the Milwaukee job all of, all of a sudden becomes either very attractive or not very attractive. So Milwaukee out there, who who are the names? Who who are the people out there that you possibly can see come and take this job of not just essentially taking the mantle for the Milwaukee Bucks, but for all intents and purposes, keeping Giannis happy and staying in Milwaukee? Yeah, 
job one, keep Giannis happy. Job two might be win. Like it might be in that <laughs> order, right? Like um, the first name on the list is that they have the coach in waiting. And I think the reason they did this, the coach in waiting is Charles Lee on the bench, a guy who's uh, actually one of the top threes for the Pistons shop right now is interviewed for multiple jobs. He's one of those assistants at the top of the list, ready to step into the job. If you've got him, I think you can keep him, keep somebody Giannis knows and likes and make a change without completely toppling everything over and putting in a new system, right? Like you, you don't necessarily have to change everything. You bring in somebody who's going to tweak the system, a, a voice they're familiar with. So he's got to be the heavy front runner. If it's not him, the only other name I've heard early with any force is Nick Nurse because won a championship and B, Talk about a guy who's innovative. If you're looking for somebody who's going to come in and be creative and shake things up and do things in an unorthodox at points way, well, Nick Nurse is that guy. He is one of the more creative coaches out there. So that name has come up, and they're talking about taking their time and doing a a more lengthy search. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of names, but I'd be ultimately surprised if they they don't take the guy on the bench. Yeah, it almost feels like uh, anybody who's followed Giannis's career, uh, it seems like he's a, he's a he's a creature of habit, and probably yes. get, bring, bringing in somebody that sort of changes everything else might not be the best idea for the Milwaukee Bucks. But I'm not a GM; I don't own the team. We'll see what they do in the next yeah. couple of months as uh, the NBA season wraps up. Let's talk about last night's action, though. The Golden State Warriors tied up the series in the Western Conference semifinals against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the first game, an instant classic coming down to the last shot with Jordan Poole controversially taking a, a, a pretty deep jumper uh, down three. But last night, the drama was taken out very quickly from the Golden yeah. State Warriors, knocked the Lakers right out, led by Klay Thompson and his shooting. What adjustments did you see the Golden State Warriors make to the Los Angeles Lakers to help tie up this series? You know, they played that first game in some ways almost like they were still playing the Kings, where the health rotations from the secondary health rotations off the wing to get to Davis in the paint were slow. Because you can't do that against the Kings. I mean, they've got Malik Monk and Herter and all these shooters out there, so you can't really leave the shooters. The Lakers, even with their improved shooting, you leave those guys, right? Like, you leave those guys <laughs> to get the Anthony Davis in the paint. They were much sharper on that. Um, and obviously the big adjustment was, I know they're saying Kevon Looney wasn't well and he only played 12 minutes. You're with me, right? They're, they're not going back to anybody but, <laughs> but Michael Green, right? Like, this worked. Steve Kerr's going to keep going to this that smaller lineup while Davis in theory should be able to and the Lakers who are big should be able to pound it inside on them it spaces them out it makes them run they did a great job the other great thing they did was run off makes off misses the, the Warriors may not be young but they're more used to running those older legs of LeBron and and Anthony Davis who's never been bigs just don't run the same way as, as young mm -hmm. guys or young young small guys they just ran them into the ground. And I think that that was also part of the plan. Just run, run, run until they're 
you know, it's not just about winning game two. Yeah. It's about winning game three and four and five that way, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, it seemed like with the first game, you mentioned it. The Warriors seemed like they were still playing the Kings. Stephen Curry was ultra aggressive in the second half, especially in the yeah. fourth quarter. But he was much more of a facilitator yesterday, dropping 12 dimes, 20 points, getting a lot of help from the shooters, especially Klay Thompson. On the opposite side of that, Anthony Davis, who dominated game one, did not look like it dominated Anthony Davis in game two. Um, pretty much a lackluster effort from him um and that's kind of been the story of anthony davis throughout these playoffs he'll have one of these incredible games and then he'll have a game where you're just like who is this guy i don't recognize him what has it been about anthony davis's inconsistency that you think has been most frustrating for the lakers in this in this postseason run oh i don't think it's just the lakers you know, go ask some pelican fans yeah like, i don't think this is <laughs> this isn't just, this is it new this has always kind of been the anthony davis story which is his peak and when he's focused is otherworldly but injuries and consistency have never really been there and they're not there now and i don't outside of lebron leading him i don't know what that is the lakers changed up i mean the warriors changed up their defense but you saw this is the this is the difference. They Lakers changed up their defense on Curry, right? Like they they're not going to let Steph Curry beat them. And Curry's like, all right, I'll become a facilitator. I'll pick up my twelve dimes. His handles were unbelievable to create space for others and then kick the ball out. He's like, if I need to adjust, I'll adjust. I'm still going to have a huge impact on this game. Davis didn't do that, and they need him to. They need to pound them inside. They need to get back to look. Davis has to be the best player on the floor for the Lakers to win, right? I'm not wrong about that, right? Like, he's the bellwether. If he's the best player on the floor, they'll probably win. But I I think that's the real question. Does he have three more of those? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. It, it, obviously, the headliners are LeBron James and Stephen Curry. But as the Lakers have gone this year, Anthony Davis, when he plays well, and to a lesser extent, D'Angelo Russell, as that two-man game sort of goes, as yeah. they go, the Lakers usually go. And... Uh, yesterday, he just absolutely did not have it last night against the Golden State Warriors. We'll see how they shape up Saturday night when the series shifts to the Crypto.com Arena in Southern California. Speaking of uh, star players being a little bit inconsistent, tonight the Celtics take on the 76ers in Philadelphia. Game one, James Harden was absolutely out of this world with 45 points. The second game, not so much. Tie series between the Celtics and the 76ers. Um... With the returning Joel Embiid, who didn't necessarily have an MVP-level performance his first game back, how do you see Joel Embiid and the Sixers sort of rallying around and trying to really take control of the series as it shifts back into Philadelphia? Well, first off, I, I, I'm curious to see how they use him, right? Is, is it more short bursts, like four minutes here, four minutes there? Because he was, I mean, five blocks in the first half. Joel Embiid wasn't... He was clearly bothered by the brace. He wasn't moving like Joel Embiid moves. He wasn't as explosive, uh, despite a couple dunks. But he also faded in the second half, right? Like the war, and, and the Celtics really exploited that in that third quarter when they just ran away and hid. I'm curious if he's if that's just a product of time off, and he'll be better in this game, or if because if with leg injuries, you know, everybody knows this. It's you can't if it's an arm injury, you can keep your conditioning up. When it's a leg injury, your conditioning just falls off. Yeah. You can't get on the bike. You can't do anything. Um, so where is he in game two? Is he in a little bit better condition and shape? And and is he able to um, 
or do you keep or do you change his the rotation patterns a little bit to get him more rest so he's just better in those minutes? But I think you're gonna need aren't you just gonna need a lot more hard than Maxi? And they might have that when they get back home. Um that's 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 my big question on the Philadelphia side. And the other question in that series is hey, which Boston team shows up? Yeah, it, it kind of felt <laughs> like when, when Harden wasn't, I mean, Harden, when Embiid wasn't in the lineup, you kind of got to see that flashback of Houston Harden where they just kind of got yeah. going and running and Maxie and and, and uh, yeah. Harris and all those guys and even P.J. Tucker to a lesser extent kind of gave him that five spread out sort of offense and let James Harden do his thing. And when he's hitting those shots, he's as dangerous as anybody in the entire league. But when you have the MVP on your team, and you know you're not going anywhere without him playing well. It's in their best interest to get them acclimated. So we'll see how it goes between the Boston Celtics and the 76ers as they are tied up one game apiece as the series sifts down to Philadelphia. And last but certainly not least, tonight the Phoenix Suns uh, host the Denver Nuggets down 2-0, down a point guard. And down a lot of expectations, I'd like to say. I had the Phoenix Suns yeah. going to the NBA Finals, but if the injuries start to pile up and they're not necessarily getting the bench production that you would need against a Denver Nuggets team that is very deep, it might be a short series yeah. for the Phoenix Suns. What have you seen in this series that you know has sort of worries you about this team? And is there anything that can help turn this around and make this a series longer than four games. Yeah, there's two things they can turn around. Kevin Durant and and uh, Devin Booker, right? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I don't want to say they have the two best players in the series because Jokic, but, like, they have two guys completely capable of taking over a game, and they're going to have to um, because of everything else you said. By the way, I'm with you, and this is where I would have gotten in real trouble at points bet because I picked the Suns when the playoffs <laughs> started to come out of the West, yeah. right? Like they're going to come out of the West. Then, you know, in my, in my work this covering the covering this covering the playoffs, I went to two of the Clipper um, Clipper Suns games in person, and when it came time to pick the second round, I picked the Nuggets because I after watching the Suns in person, yeah, the holes in that lineup created by look, you make the trade to get KD, don't. You, you you make that trade, but when you give up bridges and everything they gave up and all that depth, it shows like they're just holes. And now with Chris Paul out and now you got to play campaign, the holes in that lineup are huge. They're just epic. And that's where Denver can exploit. I mean, I don't know who on the Suns guards Jamal Murray. Like, who do they have that can actually stop Jamal Murray? I have, I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, the Denver Nuggets. Are, are offensively potent, at least d down during that entire starting five. Yeah. And it almost seems like I, I, I don't want to do the cliche and be like, are the Denver Nuggets not getting enough respect as the number one seat? I, I don't want to say that. But what I want to do just kind of get a, a, an answer from you out of is what do the Denver Nuggets need to do to continue this level of play and go on to represent the West in the Western Conference semifinals. It feels like there's been so much talk about what's been wrong with other teams and not about what's good with the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. So outside of the MVP, uh, two-time MVP and Nikola Jokic, what is it about this team that makes them so championship contender worthy? Continuity and consistency, which is really exposed against the Suns, right? Who, you know, what, they played 15 games together, whatever, whatever that number is. Um, this is a team where the core guys, despite being out with injuries, whatever, same coach, same system, same core, everything, 
for like six years now. So when they need, hey, we've got to switch this up. We're going to, hey, let's start icing the pick and rolls over here and doing whatever, whatever they're deciding to do. They just know. They've been in the system. There's the continuity of players and stuff. And yeah, they added KCP and they added Bruce Brown. Both of them have been great in this series. When you make those shifts, you make those changes, it's it's smooth for them. They all know what they want to do. They all know their roles. And that continuity really shows in this series. And I think the other thing that they need really ultimately is just more of, of Jamal Murray being willing to have games, you know, being willing. I think he's more than willing, but having more <laughs> games when the, if, if you are going to take away Jokic and, and commit to that, then he's got to take over games and he's fully capable of it. And then they've just got great. I mean, God, how good is Aaron Gordon play? Yeah. Yeah. They've been, they've been, he's been indispensable. You know what I mean? Aaron Gordon, uh, he's more than just dunks yeah. people. He is a very well-tooled player. And, and important for this Denver Nuggets yeah. championship run. Kurt, I follow you on Twitter, and every time I see your, your Twitter, Avi, you, you ever heard of, <laughs> of, of core memories being unlocked? Like, anytime yeah. I see that NBC Sports, NBA on NBC, like, just so many core memories of, of Bob Costas and and the, the, the John Tesh sort of NBA on NBC music just playing in my head. Kurt, do you have any sort of core memories from the NBA on NBC era uh, growing up watching oh, yeah. the game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how did you not? If anybody who was around in the 90s, like that was me and my friends getting together to watch, well, by, by the end of the 90s, like all Jordan, but like <laughs> you know, Lakers Jordan early on. But I mean, that's the association, right? It was a big Sunday event back in the pre pre, you know, cable, pre-splintered viewing pattern, streaming world where, man, we all got together Sunday and we watched the Bulls or watched the Knicks and the Cavaliers slugfest to an 86-84 game or something. Like, <laughs> it was it was an event. And that I, I sports is still that to a degree, but I, I do miss that aspect of it and seeing it on NBC. So, yeah, they I when I first got in, I put that logo in and then I was like, people were like, you should, you know, aren't you? Help your brand. Put your face on there. I'm like, nah, man. We're sticking with, we're sticking with the NBC on NBA logo. Oh man, Kurt's a man of principles, man. As as much as the, the games were exciting, like, and everybody loves the John Tesh uh, round ball rock song, yeah. obviously legendary tune. I low key miss like the Bob Costas monologues before the games that really yeah, yeah, just got yeah. you so high. Like, I was ready to run through walls before hearing those. <laughs> do you have Do you have any any favorite Bob Costas monologues? I, I know I got mine. Knicks Bulls. I'd say what finals. are yours? I'd have to think about it. I, there's some, probably some Bulls ones that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. The the Knicks. The one that 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 directly comes to mind is the return of Michael Jordan wearing 45 in the garden right before he's drop, oh, about to drop right. 50. Like, it's so beautifully told, it almost felt like it was scripted. It was like I was watching, like, a play sort of just play out because, it's you know, this is one of the, my earliest memories of watching Michael Jordan play. Like, I remember him being great as 23, but when he came back for 45 those few games, he wasn't really all the way himself until that double nickel game. And Bob Costa <laughs> just perfectly encapsulated yeah. it right before that game. Do you have any memories of some of those those ill Bob Costas monologues before the game? Um I you say I was I round ball rock is the thing that sticks in my head. It's it's funny because I know I don't think it's a secret NBC is potentially bidding. It's just, this all happens way over my head. Oh yeah. Oh bo um, both of our heads. Both of our heads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Way over uh to make that make that decision. But 
it's funny. I was in a meeting and and we were talking about other stuff and somebody just mentioned, well, you know, and we'll see what happens in a couple of years. We'll do this. And, and somebody else's reaction was instantly like, we have to get round ball rock, right? Like we have to get them. If That's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Like, non <laughs> I don't care what the cost is. John Chester is going to make some more money. Like get that <laughs> thing back, man. Shout out to those John Tesh residuals. They're about to get very, very taken care of. <laughs> in the next several months, hopefully, hopefully, keeping our oh, fingers hopefully. crossed, but we'll see. Kurt Heelan, NBA's uh, lead writer for NBC Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Basketball Talk. Kurt, thank you so much for kicking it with me on Counter, and enjoy the rest of the playoffs, man. Hope to talk to you again soon. I'd love to. Thanks for having me on. It, this, was a fun, this was a lot of fun. I, I love the show. So I appreciate it, Kurt. No problem. Take care. Guys, don't go anywhere. You're going to get my picks for this weekend's NBA playoff action. You got more Counter coming up right after this. Welcome back to Counter right here on Points Bet USA. You know what time it is. Let's get into my picks for tonight and Saturdays. NBA playoff action. We are starting off in Philadelphia as the Boston Celtics head into Philly to take on the 76ers in the series tied 1-1. The Boston Celtics head into Philly. Two-point road favorites. The over-under 215 points. Joel Embiid back in action. Obviously, good to see him playing. Did not look like his MVP self out there. Boston Celtics. Won a big one against the Philadelphia Sixers last time out. However, Jason Tatum absolutely did not look like himself, which might be a good thing if you're the Boston Celtics because you need to just get wins however you need to get it. It don't got to be pretty as long as it gets the job done. I'm going to take the Philadelphia 76ers at home in this game. I love this point spread. I think the Sixers are going to – Give it to him up until the final minutes. I expect a huge Tyrese Maxey game. Um, obviously, the, the the old adage has always said, you know, role players play better at home. But to be honest, the role players played pretty good on the road in this series. So I expect guys like P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris, hell, even Paul Reed to contribute to this Philadelphia 76ers win at Home. Uh, the Celtics, uh, if it's not a blowout or a comfortable lead, if it's a close game, if I'm, I'm going with the spread and expecting a game that comes down to the wire, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't necessarily trust Joe Mazzulla's late game adjustments when it comes to close games. And I think the 76ers are going to make it close. And they have two players that are guaranteed proven to hit big shots in the clutch. Give me the Sixers to cover against the Boston Celtics in the first game in Philly of these Eastern Conference semifinals. Let's switch over to the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns host the Denver Nuggets down 2-0, opening up as four-point favorites. The over-under is 224-and-a-half points. I mean, they're down a point guard. They're down a lot of depth, and that is a lot of points for a Phoenix Suns team, man. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker obviously are good enough to have performances where they can lift up the entire team to win a playoff game. Are they going to be able to do it tonight? I personally hope so. I'm not necessarily sure it happens because the Nuggets are just so deep, and 
We've seen games already in this series where Devin Booker and Kevin Durant have great games, and it simply isn't enough. It's not about KD and Devin Booker. It's going to be about guys like Laundry Shamit and Bismack Biombo and Cameron Payne. And if those names send shivers down your spine, you're okay to feel that because those aren't necessarily names that I would like to depend my playoff lives on. So that being said, I'm just going to take the over on points because it feels like it's going to be a, a game where they just need to score to stay any sort of type of competitive in this one. I think in my heart of hearts, the Nuggets are the better team. But I'm going to tell you, I don't feel comfortable picking any of those guys because Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are such strong variables in this series that if they go off for 40, 50 points and take it into a 2-1 series, it wouldn't shock anybody. So I'm going to stay, take on the safe side. I'm going to take the over on points and try and cash out that way. Let's get into Saturday's action. We got the Miami Heat taking on the New York Knicks. The Heat open up as three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. The over-under is 208-and-a-half points. Uh, I like that under right there. I mean, the Miami Heat – play at a slow pace the New York Knicks play at a, a, a defensive isolation sort of pace on the road when they're doing their best work is when isolation ball like Jalen Brunson Julius Randle and RJ Barrett are getting theirs however on the Miami Heat side of things those role players on the road played excellent Gabe Vincent Max Struess um, Duncan Robinson Kevin Love all played excellent ball without Jimmy Butler there was footage of Jimmy that aired last night on social media of him getting some shots up at the the arena formerly known as the American Airlines <laughs> Arena in Miami or the FTX, whatever you call it. So I fully expect Jimmy Butler to play. Now, how effective he is, I don't necessarily know how he will be. On the flip side, the New York Knicks, for some reason, have just always played better on the road. Julius Randle. After injury, looked really good. Jalen Brunson, the second half of that last Nick game, looked like he got it going. They're going to need their role players to play like the Miami Heat role players to win this one. And on the road, for the most part, even in the playoffs, even though Emmanuel quickly hasn't had such a great playoff series, his lone great game came in a road game in Cleveland. I think the New York Knicks take this one against the Miami Heat because I think finally guys like Toppin, Grimes, and Quickly bring their show on the road and handle business in Miami, taking a 2-1 series lead. Am I betting with my heart? Maybe. Maybe. But you know what? That's what we do here on Points Bet. We're betting with our hearts. Give me the Knicks on those points against the Miami Heat. And last but certainly not least, the Golden State Warriors take their talents down to Southern California to take on the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers, three-point favorites at home, the over-under, 227 points. Um, this one is going to be such a tough call because the Golden State Warriors not necessarily the best team on the road all season or during these playoffs. The lone playoff win on the road for the Golden State Warriors, well, the second playoff win on the road for the Golden State Warriors took place because of a Stephen Curry masterclass. And we all know he's got one of those in him. So it's hard for me to just straight up say the Golden State Warriors aren't going to win on the road because they haven't won on the road all season long and much of the playoffs. Los Angeles Lakers, however, I think if you're following the trends 
of Anthony Davis and how the Lakers go as he goes. He's due. He's had a good game. He's had a bad game. If you follow the, 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 the theme, he's due for a good game. And the way the Lakers are set up and the way the Golden State Warriors are set up, especially if Kevon Looney, as great as he's been on the boards, is still a little bit under the weather. If it's a good AD game, it's a good day to be a Los Angeles Laker. Give me the Los Angeles Lakers to cover this, and I'm going to take the over on points. I feel like it's going to be a, a knockdown, drag out, Incredible offensive performance from both teams. And again, I still think we are we are imminently awaiting a prime LeBron James game. Uh, it's going to be exciting to watch this weekend. I can't wait to check out all the playoff action. And it seems like they just keep getting better and better every single week. Guys, that's it. For today's episode of Count Out, I want to thank my guest, Kurt Healan of NBC Sports, for joining me to talk all things NBA hoops. Guys, if you're in New York City, I will be hosting the New York Knicks versus Miami Heat watch party for the Knicks at Rucker Park in Harlem. Come through. Come say hey. Going to be a ton of Nick legends in there watching the game on the big screen in one of the most famous parks in New York City. And you see your boy there uh, taking it all in. For Madison Square Garden. That's it for this week's uh, episodes of Count It. I will catch you guys Monday, and we will see who's up and who's down in these NBA playoffs by the time we get there. My name is Kazim Fahmiwide. This has been Count It, and I'll catch y'all next time. Peace out.